This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. My name is Jeffrey Brandon Moss. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMossDSR. My guest as, I guess, my partner, as always, at Darko State News on Twitter, Justin Spiro. Welcome to, what is this, episode five at the new digs? I think we're up to six now. Six? Yeah, this is six. Wow. Time flies. When you're with friends and you're having a good time. Yes, and uh, speaking of friends, we have a, a special guest in the uh, studio today. Some people know of him as uh, Melrose Jerry Green on Twitter. He is uh, the fake <laughs> Twitter handle for 87-year-old retired Detroit News columnist Jerry Green, a man who I think was fired from the Detroit News in the 80s and sued for age discrimination like 25 years ago and still around writing guest columns for the Detroit News. His name is Mihir Bahadnagar. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. The, <laughs> not exactly the, the intimidating voice you might have thought you would hear from uh, the DSR's resident, would you say, prankster, Justin? Uh, prankster, I, I mean, really, it's almost minimizing the the impact of me here. I, I think he's graduated to being really the DSR number three at this point, almost by default. Uh, yeah, I think we mentioned that the other day. Him and racist cop Adam Furman, who uh, is the editor of the site, uh, Mahir is made like national news. Uh, not that anyone really knows about it because they think it's a fake Jerry Green account. But well, about a, what two weeks ago. Well, you were you were um, bombing Sam Martin, the Lions punter, on Twitter, and I think it like went viral. The fact that what happened, Martin was was pissed off about the comments from Joe Lombardi, former offensive coordinator for the Lions, saying that Stafford wasn't smart, 
Yeah. Martin, who was on vacation, I think, at the time with the Stafford family, Kelly B. and Matthew, uh, and probably a little drunk, went on tw- Twitter to defend uh, Stafford. And then you as, <laughs> as Jerry Green, what did, you, what did you say to him? Uh, I believe I told him that uh, he, had, he had no reason to bomb the fans, considering the team at the time was 1-6. and six. Um, And he made some comment about the fans, like, you're either with us or without us. And, right. And uh, then he called you what? Uh, the co- correct tweet was, shut up, uh, dot, 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 old man. So, <laughs> Which which win national, I think, on several websites. Yeah, Uproxx was, yeah. uh, was the one right. that featured it. So that's Mahir. He's here. Now, the reason Mahir is, is in studio today is because, let me take you back to, let's see, when was this? This would have been April 5th of this season. Uh, National baseball writer for Fox Sports, John Paul Morosi, who used to work for the Free Press a few years ago, was giving out his predictions, Justin, for the 2015 baseball season. And one in question was the fact that he left the Washington Nationals out of the postseason predictions. A team that was predicted by many to win 100 games, easily win their division. They had added Max Scherzer in the offseason. We could go through their starting pitching of Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez, uh, Zimmerman, Fister. They look like a lock to to make the playoffs. And anyone predicting at the beginning of the year a team with that pitching staff and some of their their, um, hitters like uh, Bryce Harper, uh, Jason Wirth, it looked outlandish, wouldn't you say, for them to, you know, to predict that they wouldn't make the postseason in a division that everyone thought was going to kind of stink? Yeah, I mean, I could see where he was coming from because there were so many holes in that lineup. But I will say I believe at the time that he made that prediction, the Nationals were, I believe, 8-1 to one to win the World Series. They were tied for the fourth most likely to win the whole thing. I believe so, I mean, they were in Vegas 1-5. to five. To win the division, yeah, the, the the division they were it was almost off the board. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I mean, they were yeah. one of the three or four most likely teams to win the entire thing. So uh, you know, I I didn't think it was the craziest prediction I've ever heard in my life. You know, like every year there's some moron that picks the Lions to win the Super Bowl, uh, <laughs> but it was pretty. But I mean, it was out there. Yeah, yeah. And this guy has got a history of making awful predictions. Uh, so you know, I, I called him out on it, and I tweeted on April fifth. I will read this to you verbatim. If the Nationals miss the playoffs, I will shave at John Morosi's name in my head. You can go ahead and favorite this. This guy went to Harvard. The Nationals didn't make the playoffs, as we all know. Not even close. I mean, it's not, it's not like it went down on the last day. I mean, they were eliminated uh, before the final week of the season, I believe. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, I, I mean, they were pretty they were Pretty much, I, I knew basically. You were, in, you were dead in, like, in late August. Yeah. Mid-late August, I knew I started having to make preparations for getting this imbecile's name engraved into my head. So we had planned on doing it today for a variety of reasons, mainly because uh, it's, a, it's a short week for my work, you know. So it was kind of perfect for me to get this shaved in my head and then maybe hopefully it grow back before next Monday or somewhat, or I'd wear a hat for a while. Uh, we had someone picked out. Jessica had someone, our, our uh, producer, had someone lined up 
what we have found out is that people who will come to a building in Ferndale to engrave a guy's name in your head, not the most you know reliable people in the world. Yeah, no, he sort of dropped out at the last minute and said, hey, I can do it next week. And he's off that day, but you know that doesn't help today. Let me know, like before an hour and a half before the show. Yeah, this you know? was like what about four o'clock or something? Yeah, he was about supposed that. to be here at six thirty, and we're kind of like found out that um, that this was not going to happen. So uh, why don't you? Why don't in you tell my defense, the, uh, I don't know the guy, so no, I know. know. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you completely. I know. I know. Well, oh, you know. <laughs> why don't you tell the audience about the Plan B that was presented to you uh, in your Facebook messages today? Okay, so there was a there was a plan B, and this was a guy named David, <laughs> and I'm going to just read some of these uh, e- these uh, these email missives back and forth because before you found your guy, I yeah. had like a guy who who's a DSR follower and reader emailed me and said there's like two people I can have do it. I'm like oh cool, and then he kind of started you know they kind of started waffling, and then when you sounded like you had someone Jessica lined up completely. I kind of told the guy, all yeah, right, I found, found it I, that way. I found someone. So then when I found out that Jessica's guy uh, was backing out for at least today, he can do it next week, um, I asked him, I'm going to find the email here. This is what I said to the guy. Other guy, Flake, can you see if you can try again? 50 bucks for the girl. All right, so the guy responds, are you serious? Damn, I can try, but looking not good. I cut my own hair and others. Just fades. If you want, I can bring me and this chick down and do it no charge. Just get it done. Can't be that hard. Up to you. So now I'm getting a guy who's got no skills as a barber. <laughs> he has never been to, what is it, cosmetology Pass. school? Pass. I'm, I'm just, I love the quote, can't be that hard. Like, can, you, can you imagine, like, your your dog is, like, you know, sick and is, is, is like, about to keel over. And some you're like, i got to take it to the vet. And some guy comes in and is just like, you know, no, it can't be that hard. I'll figure it out. I mean, just can't be that hard. You're, that tooth looks like it's a, it's falling out anyway. Can't be too hard to extract it. It's just, like, I'm going to turn my head over to some guy I don't know who just emailing me on, you know, from the DSR. He cuts his own hair, though, to be fair. And does fades. Yeah. So then I'm like, so, he, but he says in the email, and I'm going to bring this girl. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe the girl is like a cosmetologist. Maybe she knows what to do and she's going to help or whatever. So I'm like, who's the girl? His response, just a friend who would laugh her ass off with what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> It's up to well, you. In that case, I'll it's do up it. to you. Like what? So the girl's got no background. It's just you and some random who's gonna laugh at me while you unprofessionally carve John Morosi's name into my grill. I, I don't think that's gonna happen. So anyway, I tell him, I think I'm gonna wait for a professional. His response, probably best way to go. Let me talk to the girl who couldn't make it, because she gets home at seven. Okay, we're off at 7. There's another show that actually comes on here at 7. Yeah. So, okay, we're not doing the guy who's never, like, done this before and has... I, I, what is this guy, an auto mechanic or something? And he's, like, <laughs> on his side, he's going to grill John Paul Morosi into my head. Anyway, we're going to take one last-ditch effort. Uh, we're going to call a salon in Ferndale right now. Uh, they don't know this is coming. This is, let's see, the Through Luna's Eyes... Salon. They're on Nine Mile in Ferndale. We're going to try to get them on the phone and see if maybe someone can come over here in the next hour or so and do this. We also have some 
big guests coming up. So we got a really jam-packed show, and I didn't realize we were going to talk about this for 12 minutes, but I doubt that you're disappointed that I read those wonderful emails. I'm not. Do you want me to call them? Yeah, you can no, call. Let's call the okay. let's call call better than Luna's eyes. Salon or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, so coming up on the show, Greg Henson will be on in about 20, 25 minutes. We're going to talk to him about the Lions and the situation with Bill Keenest and what happened with 97.1 and his experience with the, the Lions when he was a program director. Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Jeff, and I am broadcasting on the uh, radio right now in Ferndale. C- can I talk to you on the air for about two seconds? Um, I got a quick, quick okay. question. Quick question. What's your name? My name's Emily. Okay, hi, hi Emily. My name's Jeff, and I'm here with Justin. Um, let me explain the situation. We're over what Hilton and yeah, eight we're and at, a half. Yeah, it's just north of Hilton. Um, or I'm sorry, just north of Eight Mile on Hilton. Okay. So I kind of lost a bet a few months ago, and uh, the bet was I had to, if I lost, I had to engrave a guy's name in my head. Someone was going to have to shave it into my head, this guy's And we had someone to do it, and they kind of backed out at the last minute. And I was wondering if anyone would be willing for, uh, you know, obviously to be reimbursed, if anyone could, is over there who could do that kind of thing and come over here, like, around 6.30? Today? Yeah. We're out um, here and... I don't think we have any button free today. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I know we would do it, but the person I have in mind is actually booked up tonight. Oh, is her name Kat? Um, well, Kat is here. She left. Um, but the person I was thinking about was Callie. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, how, late is she there? how late is she there tonight? Who, Kat? No. Or Callie? Callie. Um, Callie will be here until about 8. And she, but she's booked completely? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, well, we tried. I appreciate it. We might, well, maybe we, if, I don't know. What the, yeah, what do you want to do? We could probably maybe, I'll call you back during the week and we'll see. Maybe we'll have someone come over and do it next Tuesday, um, if that's possible. We'll call you off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just give us a call and maybe we can, like, work something out, okay? Okay, thanks a lot, Emily. No problem. Have a good one. Uh, okay, thank you. Okay. Well, I guess my hair is going to be spared another week, unfortunately. Sorry, my hair. My hair came all the way from Ann Arbor to watch this, and how disappointed at 1 through 10 are you? Wah, wah, Probably wah. about a 6. It was, uh-huh. uh, it's not so it's a, you're, you're disappointed it's about a 6, so it means uh-huh. poor, poor Ath would be at a 10 and Jasper would be at a 1. Okay, <laughs> so let's uh, transition. Maybe if, if anyone's out there listening, if you know anyone who can get here at 6.30 to carve John Paul Morosi's name in my head, who's like a professional barber or hair, hairstylist, not some random from the street, uh, you can call. What's the phone number here? 248-579-5295. Okay, so call that number if you are in the area and you have a license from a uh, reputable beauty school. So we're off that topic now for the time being. Let's, let's talk about the other big story this week in Detroit sports. Last Thursday, I believe, on the two-week anniversary of Tom Luand and Martin Mayhew being fired by Martha Ford, we learned that the Detroit Lions had replaced Tom Luand, the president of the franchise, with a gentleman named Rod Wood. Now, if you're not familiar with Rod Wood, 
he is the guy who the Ford family hired to manage their money years ago. He had an office at Ford Field. He was in on the discussions regarding the dismissal of Mayhew and Luan. Basically, from what I've been told and what I reported last week on the DSR, this guy had his eye on Luan's job and basically was the one in uh, Martha and Sheila Hamp, Martha's daughter's ear, to get rid of this guy. It was basically a palace coup. And, I mean, I'm going to turn this over to Justin in a second because he's got a lot to say about this, and I think I've said a lot on Twitter and on Ryan Schuling's program at Lansing yesterday, but as I said yesterday on 92.1 FM, where to begin with this? How about to start with the guy's name, as I stated yesterday, Rod Wood. It sounds like a pseudonym, a fake name, that Richard Christie from the Howard Stern Show would use to call a fuckbook store. And like, uh, hey, uh, do you have uh, Titty Monsters 3 starring Brie Olsen? My name's Rod Wood. I mean, Rod Wood. I can't get past the name forgetting the fact that the guy in his press conference, Justin, and I'm going to turn it over to you, admitted that he wasn't someone who would be up for any other NFL presidential job, but he thought that this is one he could handle. Not the other 30, was 32 teams now in the NFL? Not the other 31, but this one, the Lions, his resume was perfect for this team. I, I will now hand it over to you for whatever you want to say about this subject. Okay, Jessica, turn Moss's mic off for a couple minutes, please, because he doesn't need it. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be very clear here. I, I'm going to try to do this quickly, but there's a lot to say. On November 13th, Martha Ford sends an email out to the season ticket holders of the team. She says, you've done your part. You've been there. You've been loyal. We haven't done our part. You deserve a Lions football team that is, quote, a consistent winner. Speaking of quotes, she says, quote, in order to achieve this, we will conduct a thorough and exhaustive national search for the best people to lead our organization. Direct quote. That is an email from November 13th. On November 20th, Rod Wood is introduced as new team president, exactly one week to the day of Martha Ford promising an exhaustive national search. Her words, not mine. So what does this exhaustive national search lead to? It leads to the hiring of the guy down the hall, a longtime family friend of the Hamp Ford clan, who by his own admission, as you mentioned, is a man who is, quote, quote, not qualified to run any other NFL team. Those are his words. So you, you again, look to the email that Martha Ford sends out on November 14th. Quote, the changes I made underscore our commitment to each of you. The changes meaning firing, uh, firings of Tom Awad and Martin Mayhew. That's just wrong. Hiring Rod Wood is the definition of underscoring a commitment to nepotistic cronyism, which this family has been known for for the entire time that we've known this operation. This is a commitment to the family's inner circle of yes-men that we've seen over and over and over again. Now, to put this in perspective, we've basically traded a friend of Bill Ford Jr., Tom Wand, for a friend of Sheila Hamp, Rod Wood. I mean, th this is exactly just a different version of the same thing. This is Tom Wan 2.0. Now, I've already made a bet with the man next to me about what's coming next for the general manager position, which is the second of two to be filled. 
My money is already where my mouth is here. I've already put it in stone. It's public. And for those of you that don't know already, I've made a wager that, quote, interim general manager Sheldon White will be the permanent general manager of the Detroit Lions very soon. And you can take it to the bank. That's how this organization is run, and it's how it will always be run under this ownership group. It's been like this for six decades. An email on November 13th, November 13th, promising a national search. The hiring of a family friend down the hall on November 20th. So you tell me where this is going. And, and, and just to, am I on? Is my mic back on? You are now. Okay. <laughs> just, just to, I don't want to interrupt you, but this was, this was preordained. Don't, don't sell us this bullshit that, oh, as I said yesterday on Schuling's show, if you remember back in 1999 when George W. Bush was looking for a vice presidential uh, candidate to run with, he assigned the job of finding that person with one Richard Cheney. He said to Dick Cheney, go find me the best possible vice presidential uh, candidate. And Cheney, as we know, came back with himself. That is the same exact situation we are in here with the Lions, with noted porn star Rod Wood admitted, a guy who admits he doesn't know anything about football other than the fact, the one thing we know about his, his football acumen is that Matthew Stafford is his fantasy football quarterback and that he once, at some point, won his league but is not willing to disclose what his record is this year. That's the new president of the team. And I know you probably have more to go. I want to make one comment, and I'll give it back to you, okay? Fat man Detroit News scribe, man who retired in 2004 and nobody told him, Bob Robert Wojo Wojanowski, tweeted out after this hiring that he wasn't worried about this because this man is not going to be in charge of football decisions. Okay. Can you tell me what's more of a football decision? More important than naming the general manager of this team. That's a big football decision. And who is going to be making that decision? Sheila Hamp, her two sisters, her 90-year-old mother, and, and uh, the porn star, Rod, Rod Wood. Those are the people making the biggest football decision this probably franchise has ever had. How are you telling me that's not a... This is, this is incredible. Really, it's the equivalent of the head of a major studio in Hollywood saying that their choice of director for a film is not an artistic decision. I mean, you might not be the one with your hands on the camera and, and yelling cut, but the, the, direct, the director you choose, if you choose Steven Spielberg, you're going to get a different kind of movie than if you choose Quentin Tarantino. Or Michael Bay. So, or Michael Bay where there will be a lot of kabooms. So, I mean, the, the, that's my point. I mean, you look at the separation of football decision versus business decision. It's that line. How can you really delineate it? They're, they're intrinsically linked. And the other thing is that I wanted to mention is that he says that he's not going to be you know, into football decisions, but maybe in the salary cap. Well, once again, the salary cap, as we saw with Tom Lewan, a man who had no football background whatsoever – uh, I'm not denying that Tom Luan is not a smart guy. I think he had multiple degrees, degrees at U of M, including a law degree, uh, which is fine. Go practice law or go work for uh, uh, the Dugan administration like your father. But this man had no background to assist in running a professional football team. There's, there's, a, there's a finite am- amount of teams 
This is a billion-dollar entity, and you made a guy whose credentials were a couple degrees from U of M, and the fact that he was your son's buddy growing up and your attorney's you know, child, those were the credentials. And we had Tom Luan making crucial decisions with the salary cap that led to a point where the Lions couldn't afford to keep the greatest defensive player that they ever employed in Indomitian suit. That was a football decision. Don't tell me that someone who is overseeing the hiring of a general manager and maybe partially responsible for salary cap duties isn't a, isn't a football-related position. It is. And the one franchise that couldn't have pulled this bullshit was the Detroit Lions. And for this woman... I mean, this is all so transparent. The most naive person in the world could have seen through this. To fire Luan, and they must have, I mean, I think, they, I think Martha Ford put it in her calendar. Well, we can't announce today that, that Rod Wood is replacing Luan. How much time do you think, Sheila, it's going to take for people to forget that I just said we're going to have a national search? Uh, apparently seven days. I mean, 14, it, 14. Well, it was seven from the time she sent the email promise. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Search. Okay. So, I mean, again, one week, and, and yeah, we're looking at it from a pragmatic angle and a macro view of these are not sound decisions just in terms of the end result. These things are not going to lead to a positive result, these decisions. But even throw that aside, cast that out of here, just the, the lack of caring for the perception that they are giving off with this, sending out an email insulting the intelligence of their, to be fair, not-so-intelligent fan base, and then seven days later completely contradicting that email with the hire. So, again, yeah, these decisions are poor, football decisions, business decisions, whatever, but there's also just a total lack of uh, just sort of cognizance. PR. Well, PR. Marketing. Cognizance of their uh, public relations, of their marketing, of how this is going to come off. There's just there's no care in the world for it. And even after this, we have, honestly, even people within the DSR, the resident neurosurgeon Kevin Weber, among others, that are saying, look, I want to take a wait-and-see approach. Let's see who the permanent GM is. I'm telling you, and I think, no offense, but Jeff, I think you're a fool because you took the bet with <laughs> No me. offense, I think you're a fool. You uh, On this, on this matter, I think you were a fool to take that bet with me. You are so convinced that this team will not be promoting Sheldon White to the permanent position of general manager. Well, it's not manager. like I said I would engrave your name in my head if I was wrong. I only bet $100 this time. I'm getting a little smarter. I, but I, I'm, I'm dying to know. I'm, what, I'm an idiot. What is, what I, is I, admitted, I admitted yesterday, I don't know if you heard the interview with Schuling, I admitted yesterday on Lansing Radio to the 72 people maybe listening that I don't know what I was thinking when I made that wager. I might have been on narcotics or something, but... It's all falling into place. They fire Luan and Mayhew. Wood's now promoted. They haven't lost since. And you've got the idiots in the media like Paula Pash. Is Martha Ford the one who should get credit for this? Are you kidding me? No, this is what's, what I warned about. They could go on a run where they win four out of five games. They're, they're, yeah, we said this two weeks ago. Yeah, and we, this is all stuff we've all... I mean, the DSR has been so far ahead of this. We reported about the connection between Sheila and and and, um, uh, and, and, and Wood before... And in, 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 in the in the disconnect between Bill Ford and her over matters that were forward-related, which I think tie in 
with Rod Wood. We mentioned that. We were warning people, like, don't root for this victory against Green Bay because you've seen it happen before with this franchise where they just hire the next guy in line. It does, they're not, there will be no national search, just like there was no national search for a president. If they go and beat Philadelphia, which would anyone be surprised at this point? Philadelphia just got destroyed by a rookie quarterback at home a few days ago. And there's really only two ways to cut it. In that email on November 13th, they say we are promising an exhaustive national search for a team president. There's only one of two ways this can go. Either they flat out lied about their intention to conduct such a search, which is my guess, or secondly, they did conduct a national search and it yielded that guy. Which is, no, which we know yeah. is not the case. So basically what I am telling you is that Martha Ford in that email to season ticket holders flat out blatantly lied to her fan base and then threw it in their face seven days later. It's a disgraceful performance by that management team. There's more Lions talk to come. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we are going to have Greg Henson on the phone from Pittsburgh to discuss – the fo- what happened with 97-1 in the Lions last week, and special guest at 6 p.m. today, tonight, believe it or not, a gentleman by the name of Mort Meisner will be joining Spiro and myself. He is the agent for Mike Valente. I think he can give us a lot of uh, insight into what happened between 97-1 and the Lions regarding the contract negotiation that went on that led to WJR getting the rights to the Detroit Lions. Um, and there's some other things we can talk to Mort about. That's coming up at 6. After the break, we will have Greg Henson, former program director, DFN and XYT on the line to discuss, among other things, the devil, Bill Keenest. This is a previously recorded episode All right, we are back on the DSR podcast. Jeff Moss here with Justin Spiro. Uh, Melrose, Jerry Green, Mahir Bahatnagar is in the house. And DSR, longtime DSR commentator, uh, barrister extraordinaire, person who is always reading everything I say to make sure I'm not going to get sued by anyone. Mr. George Contis is in the house, too. He was coming to watch me get my hair cut, and he is extremely disappointed as well. We have a guest now coming up, uh, right from Pittsburgh, program director of what, the ESPN radio station down there, Greg? Yep, absolutely. Greg Henson, former program director and on-air talent, although I use the word talent loosely. Um, yes, you do. Yeah, uh, for WDFN and WXYT. Uh, welcome to the show, Greg. What's happening, fellas? Hey, did George tell you we had dinner the other night? Yeah, yeah, it was a riveting discussion, I hear. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely top-end. Are you kidding me? What were you saying about Trump before we went on the air? Uh, I said I had that video of, uh, that he's talking about that no one else in the world seen. Oh, are you going to upload it to your site, greghenson.com? What, the one of all the, the Muslims outside the uh, Meadowlands celebrating yeah. the towers coming down? <laughs> Yeah, the one that no one else can seem to find, right? Yeah, I mean, wow. That's there's like two things that have been buried on the internet. One, Chris Rock's first pitch where he threw like two feet when he somehow got that ball that that video uh taken off the internet and then all the Muslims celebrating nine eleven. But 
in, in New Jersey. In New Jersey, right. It was all over TV. I remember it. <laughs> all right. Well, the reason we had you, we wanted to have you on tonight, uh, we, were, we, we were just talking about the one big lion story from last week, the uh, promotion or the hiring of Rod Wood to be the new uh, president of the Lions. The other big news that came out Thursday was the Detroit Lions, who've been business partners with CBS Radio 97.1 for a couple decades. I think it's been so long that I think it used to be Infinity Radio uh, when they signed up. Uh, the Lions in 97.1 have been broadcast partners for the football team for, I don't know, 15, 17 years. It was announced on Think Thursday that they are now leaving for WJR, an AM station. The fallout being that 97.1, led by Mike Valente and Valente's agent, Morton Meisner, who will be on in about 20, 25 minutes, accusing the Detroit Lions of basically saying, if you don't fire Mike Valente, you have no chance of getting the radio rights. Of course, 97.1 said, go fuck yourself, rightfully so. The person we all assume is behind this nonsense is one Bill Keenest, the czar of propaganda, vice president of communications for the Detroit Lions, a man, Greg, that you intimately dealt with for years while you were the PD of both sports talk stations in town. Uh, any, Bill Keen, any Bill Keenest stories, Greg? Uh, millions of them. Are, are you kidding me? This guy, Here's the funny part about Bill Keenest is he's kind of a wuss. I mean, this is a guy. You know what he would do? He would try to break off one of the weakest DFN people in the bunch, right, and, and work their heads like, oh, they're embarrassing you. You're the star. You should talk to them about the way they talk about this lion. It's amateur hour, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you can guess who they were talking to in chirping to. I'm going to say um, Jamie Samuelson. Uh, no. Other one. <laughs> uh, Stoney? Yes. And and Stoney would get really upset about it. And I said, I mean, Mitch used to do this to Stoney, too. You know, oh, you should have let him run a promo about me. You know, we're buddies, and it's going to affect our relationship. He told him that. That's what but Mitch, that's what, what? the Mitch in question, obviously, being not Mitch Ryder, but Frodo uh, album. Condescending yeah. Baggins. Yeah, the big fella. Yeah, little yeah. fella. The little fellow? Yeah, as, um, as you aptly yeah. named him? I did. <laughs> so, okay, so Keenest, so you're saying that Keenest would go to Stoney and say... Sometimes. He'd also call directly. He would call and no one would take his calls. <laughs> because he was trying. Like, he literally would call while we were on the air trying to get us to stop talking about what we were talking about. Uh, and that usually was criticizing the team. They particularly hated it when the Fords, um, when the Fords were discussed or made fun of. Uh, he also, if you remember, you probably remember this. He, he threatened to pull our credentials at one point because of Art and I. Right. You, you and Art used to host the Sunday afternoon sit-in, which would have been basically right. your version of the Lions post-game show. Yeah. And obviously, you weren't you weren't the uh, flagship. You were just whenever the Lions game would end, you guys would go on and usually discuss a loss and bomb the team, which, you know, obviously, what, what, were, what were you going to do? Uh, this, this franchise is an abomination, and what, that's the crazy thing. If it was, like, the Red Wings or something, and the PR guy mm-hmm. of the Red Wings was calling up and going, why are you talking negatively? You, don't, you could almost say, well, 
at least the Red Wings are a successful organization. This is the Lions, the biggest joke in professional sports. I mean, they've been at the butt of jokes on the Tonight Show. Go, I think going now on three hosts. Well, you know, the funny part with Keenest was, I mean, everything Valenti said, I went through 15 years ago. Um, they would call, they would manipulate, they'd scream for meetings, they'd threaten the cold metro Detroit Ford dealer money. Uh, he did all those tactics with us. I mean, what Valenti said is they, he said they were nasty. They, what else did he say? Because they are nasty, vindictive, vindictive. people. Yeah, did you have any? Did you have any personal direct involvement where Keenis came to you as being the program director? (laughs) And what would he say to you? Uh, He would he he would try to say we're spreading wrong information, which opinions aren't right or wrong. You know what I mean? He would always say, "Well, that's not factually correct." And I'm I'm like, "What part of one home playoff game in my lifetime is not factually correct?" Well, you say the Fords aren't trying, and I said, "Well, if they were trying." Why is Chuck Schmidt the GM after all these losing seasons? Or or why did you hire Matt Miller? So it was always something that you couldn't quantify. It was always, you know, he, he never, because he could never come to you and say, well, you said this incorrect, because I'd think, no, that's my opinion based on what I see. So he would always say stuff like that. Or here was the other classic, and, and I wrote this in my blog. Well, how come you haven't been down to practice this week? And I'm like, and I used to say, Bill, I'm a midday guy. You practice when I'm at work. I can't come every day. I come when I can. It, but but the main goal there was to always, you don't come down, and Valenti, I think, even addressed this, because they then bully you while you're down there. Um, right. You know, there was, a, there was a time where Ike Griffin went down there because he was critical of Chris Spielman. And <laughs> Ike Griffin came back wearing a lie in New Jersey and never said another bad word about the team in his life. So they like to bully you or they want to get you on their side. And I didn't want to do that. I wasn't going to do it. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to be close to Bill Keenest. You know, I didn't want to be in that group. Okay. Now, I think one of the breaking points with you and Keenest and the Lions was you used to actually have, I don't know, was it, was it uh, I don't know who it was, but they did a, a Mr. Ford. Was Swindell. It, that was was Swindell. it Swindell? I wasn't sure if it was Swindell yeah. or Brett. <laughs> but, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. So the so what was the fallout when you used to have a like a guy come on as an incompetent boob and called him Mr. Ford? Is that when the shit really hit the fan? Yes. Well, it was funny because they called and they said, "Well, you're making him sound like a drunk." And I said, "No, we're not. We're making him sound endearing." Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Back up, back up. They called and said you were making him sound like a drunk. Yes. And yeah. he, it, which it, which it my he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you know he'd be on there and he'd be hacking up a lung and you know making this. This was around the time where they were going to ban booze from the Silverdome. Do you remember that time? Well, yeah. I mean, the place was kind of like Thunderdome. It probably probably should have banned it. There was MMA they fights never did, breaking but, out. But everywhere. the funny part was, Mister Ford came on. And said, we're going to ban booze everywhere but the odor's booth. <laughs> and that really set them off. And so they called my boss. They called my boss and said, stop. They're paying 25 grand in Metro Detroit for dealer money. Not just for DSN. We're going to pull it from W4, 95.5. Every station you pull loses more money. So we had to quit doing it. That's how nasty and tenured they are. I mean, they are just... 
Greg, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you guys were known back in the day for a lot of your parody songs. You had, you know, the Pizza Man and Ty or Charlie, things of that nature. I'm sure you remember at least mm-hmm. some of those. Did you ever get any blowback from Keenis or anyone from the Lions with those parody songs? Oh, yeah. Any time they heard of it, they would call it complete. The Tigers did, too. The Tigers were pissed about the Pizza Man. Um, but but uh, Moronic, I believe was the one that pissed off uh, Bill Keenest and those guys. And they would call all the time I mean, and say, you can't run that song. Oh, and I said, you tell me what to do. You're not even on our air. So they went to my boss at one time and said, you fired Regner and Henson and we'll discuss. We'll let you guys into the bidding process. So you might, you know, with Bill, you might get the rights and we'd lie them. So, so wait a second. Right. They So Keenest and the Lions basically said... If they if, if they wanted to continue a relationship with the Metro Ford dealerships, that you and Art had to lose your jobs. No, we had to stop doing the Ford parody. Oh, well, what, what, what? But, they, but we had to lose our jobs if we had any hopes of getting the play-by-play rights, which in and of itself was a joke. So yes, they asked them to fire us. So basically, the same thing I, they did. To, it's I mean, if you read the article in the Detroit News by Tony Paul. What that woman who was, you know, works for the Lions was was saying was just basically everything you just said. Well, we don't we don't call unless we're just trying to correct something that's inaccurate. And then the whole thing about getting rid of Valente, it's the same thing that you went through. And, and, and we're going back. I mean, what, 16, 17 years? discussed a lot of threats that have been bandied about over the years and certainly in your experience from Bill Keenest and the Lions organization. Was there anything that he said or did that you saw manifest itself as actual change where someone, either you or someone that you worked with, was actually suppressed from saying something or, or you know, allocuting a certain opinion? Uh, just before it gets, we I didn't care. 
Well, I think one of the things that uh, Valente said on the radio, and we're going to ask Meisner about it when we have him on in about 10, 15 minutes, is they kept, off, they kept Valente basically off any TV shows, pregame shows. I think Valente, at a t- for a time, was doing a pregame show on Fox 2 with your former partner, Jamie Samuelson and Wojo. I think he was on that show for a little while. And I think he was on another show on, w, on um, Channel WXYZ, 7. Channel 7. And I think yeah. one of the specific things Valente said on Thursday in his rant was that they basically, the Lions, took him off that sh- those shows. He couldn't be on those shows. They were taking money out of the guy's pocket. For what? Yeah, they're ruthless, man. They're nasty and ruthless. It's, it's not just the Lions. It's just Bill Kinnis. That's the guy who... He's the heavy-handed one. And I know it probably came down from the top, but even Tom Lalonde would say to me, I can't argue, I get it. William Clifford Jr. once told us, I can't argue with what you guys say because I want to win too, and they've never been good in my life. I don't know if they gave Keenis directives and tried to play the nice guy, or if Keenis was taking it into his own hands. But in my book, Lalonde Jr. were the ones who always said, you know, you know the guy's not personal, I can't argue with well, when you look at the, Greg, the the last two games, which of course the Lions have won, first in Lambeau, you see you see Bill Keenis on the sideline right at the end of the game after the missed field goal, doing a victory dance next to Caldwell. The next week, over the uh, after the win over the Raiders in the Ford Field locker room, he's in the center of the team huddle and clapping and going nuts and laughing like a big jolly fat man. I mean, he's 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 everywhere. He was the one who he's led, out in the press. Basically, yeah, he's the one who led Martha Ford. Uh, the day they fired Lawan and Mayhew, it was it was Keenest who was helping her up to the podium. He's there on the sideline. He's he always wants his FaceTime. And hey, buddy, you're getting your FaceTime now between the DSR and what the, the the what Valente did to you last Thursday. I hope you're happy. And, and it's not the first time this imbecile has been in the news, as I reported on the DSR yesterday. This fuckstick, who lives in Oxford and I guess is somehow tied in with the school board or something. Yeah, he's on the school board. He's on the school board, me here, right? This idiot put his house note up so Oxford High could get a all blue football field for the high school football team, like Boise State. What kind of idiot does that? Can you imagine, Greg? I mean, I can understand putting up your house for a Java jungle, but or 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 for gambling debts like me. I mean, those are things that are worthwhile. Gambling and you know, unwinding kids after a hard day at school, as Tom Manzoli would say. But I mean, to do it for a blue football field at the high school to put your house up? What the fuck is that? How did you find that story? That is fascinating. Uh, just type in stupid and Bill Keenest in Google, and that's the first thing that pops up, a Deadspin yeah, story. Yeah, it's on Deadspin. It's on Deadspin. Like, it was a big, it was a big local story when it happened, like, that they, that they couldn't afford. I mean, school books, maybe, I don't know. Extra teachers for the well, classroom. His, his two his two sons are coaches at right. the football program. Well, there, one's at so. Troy Athens, I think. Yeah, in Troy Athens so, High School. Okay. okay, so you're talking about you could get some school books, maybe some extra teachers, so there's not 30 kids in a class. Computers, computers, iPads. No, we're gonna fucking put in a blue football field. 
because it looks cool on TV and everyone knows <laughs> that Oxford High School is a big national program. It's all I always see them on ESPN three. A blue field <laughs> for who? For who to look at? What is it for? And you're putting your house up? This is the gentleman who is telling people what to say and not to say? Has there ever been a worse life decision ever? Oh, a blue football field, let just, Greg? Let me sum it up. Bill Keenis is a disease <laughs> and needs to be, he needs to be cut out with uh, out of the whole thing. He's part of the problem. And I think he's I mean, for a PR guy to get that much bad will in the PR in the in the media industry, that's a pretty that's a, that's a pretty tough thing to do to turn the whole media against your franchise. Greg, his, his job, his his job, in the field. his job is glad handling the media, and he's viewed by everyone as a pariah. I mean, it's like basically right. a physician who turns out to be. The Undertaker. I mean, I mean his job. His job is to cultivate a positive relationship and positive yeah. line of communication with the media. That's his job. That's his job description. And not only does he not do that, he goes the complete opposite way and fosters an antagonistic relationship with the media, which, frankly, already has plenty of ammunition of bad things to say with what we see on the field and how the team is run. But to double yeah. down on that and then go after the PR the guy, Justin, the PR guy for the Lions should be like the 350-pound girl. You've got to have a good personality. You can't have a bad personality and the 350 pounds. Well, no, poor ass wouldn't care. (laughs) But you know what? He's got a great relationship with the guys who won't criticize the team. Mitch Albom, you know, Mike Stone, some of those guys. He just, he gets in great with those guys. You know, he's buddies with all those guys, but... He certainly has no idea how to deal with someone who gives honest criticism of his football team. And I thought what Mike Malenik said last week, to me personally, I thought if anyone was paying attention, he would have been fired last week for that PR mess. Right. Now, the one thing I want to – I've told the story a hundred times. I told it in my in my article the other day. I'm going to repeat it again, and I'm going to repeat it till the man is fired. The guy ran a smear campaign against Tom Kowalski a few years back about an article that Tom wrote that was 100% true that I completely verified, okay? They, they, they attacked Tom's credibility, his professionalism. They issued a press release saying that this is this is unprecedented. It was an article about that Kowalski wrote that Sherm Lewis was telling people that Joey Harrington could not be the starting quarterback of the Lions. The Lions' response to that was to completely nuke Tom Kowalski. Okay? To the point where they got Sherm Lewis, put a gun to his head, basically, and said, if you want the whatever financial um, buyout or whatever he had coming, because he was on his way out, Sherm was retiring. They said, you've got to go out and repudiate what um, Kowalski's writing. Not only that, Stoney and Wojo had Sherm Lewis's son. He he was on DFN calling in saying that Kowalski was wrong. He was full of crap. He made it all up. That's the lengths this organization went to disparage Tom Kowalski's name. This wasn't just a normal story, okay? I think you remember it quite well, Greg. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what happened was... Killer died. 
they had a public wake for him at Chelly's next to Comerica Park. Bill Keenis somehow was a speaker for a killer's wake the day before they were going to put him in the ground. And this fucking moron gets up there and says, tells the story of what I just recited to you and says, yeah, we knew Tom was right all along. At his wake, that is the depths of this man, the depravity the the absolute decency to shovel the shit off of his grave. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, real, can, let me ask you a question. What, what was going through this man's mind, his warped, demented mind, that he thought it'd be appropriate to admit the man's basically his public funeral? That we lied. This is the man they named the media room at Allen Park after. If they did that to Tom Killer Kowalski. Can you imagine what they would do to a Mike Valente or a Jeff Moss, who they called the cops on, or a Greg Henson, who they tried to get fired? This is why I can't stand this organization, why I think they're despicable people. I mean, how can you even respond to that, Greg? You can't. I mean, this this guy is, as I said, he's a disease on that organization. And and when, when Valente was saying what he said last week, I didn't hear a lot. I listened back to it. They're vindictive. They're a really nasty, nasty organization. And he's absolutely right. I mean, with what Valenti said, we said 15 years ago, and he's going to get a contract out of it. But think about that. We were, 15, 16 years ago, we were the ones saying, look at these, these absolute pigs and how they act. And, you know, it, it, it's funny. Valenti's going to get a raise, and uh, we, we lost advertising dollars. That should tell you how the media has changed, right? Yeah. I mean, one last thing I want to hit with you is the fact that, you know, 97.1, Doug Karsh, people who had nothing to do with this. I mean, Doug Karsh and Scott Anderson fillet the um, Detroit Lions on a regular basis. They had nothing to do with this. This was all basically Valente. You mentioned Mike Stone as someone who gets along with them. This had nothing to do with anyone but Valente. But, you know... They're going on the air saying how they crusaded against the Lions and they couldn't be bought and paid for. And, but meanwhile, but meanwhile, the fact is they admit that they were restrained. And I want to just you just tell your quick story about how you ended up leaving Sports Talk Radio and moved to 97.1 because of the Detroit Tigers. And why should we not think that the other teams in this city are doing, not as the level of a Bill Keenis, but also trying to control the message? Well, when I was, when Hitch Hopper hired me to go to WXYT, what I didn't know was that he had spent years before trashing me to the teams because he was fearful we would go after the teams. And he would trash me to the teams and what a moral, you know, what a bad dude I was, and, you know, I'm a loose cannon, blah, blah, blah. So then he hires me, which inexplicably hires me, and then turns around and tries to sell to the teams that I'm really good, I'm really smart, and I'll treat them well, right? This is Homburg? So, this is Homburg, okay. yeah. He spent three years trashing me. Then he hired me and tried to sell me back to the teams after he'd been running around saying what an ass I was. So, I could get hired, and Denise Illich is on the phone within minutes of the announcement. I mean, just letting him have it. How could you do this? This is going to affect our broadcast rights, blah, blah, blah. So, when I didn't want to play ball, and I played ball a little bit, I, you know, my, my whole deal was 
I'm not going to go over there and do the same stuff I was doing at DFN, but we're still going to be honest and we're still going to get after it. She would call and Jim Stapleton would call. I mean, he called one day to complain when, and he said, right now you're on the air trashing us. And I said, Hey, Dude, turn on the radio. It's your game. It was a day game. And he thought we were trashing him. I mean, that's how stupid this man was. Um, so, you know, finally, Tom Berg, uh, approached me about going to 97.1. And I knew I would have much more fun and be much better off. But uh, So I agreed to go do that show, and I loved it. But ultimately, the day I was hired, I was getting fired. So... You and, know, and, and of course, for anyone opening, anyone who's, anyone who's not familiar, Denise Oach at the time was still in good with her father, and was kind of yeah. running things uh, down at Comerica Park a lot more than well. Now she's got absolutely no say in, in the matter. But I mean, this is the thing I think people need to understand that when you are a broadcast partner of a professional franchise, and that's you're, you're going to get these yeah, calls. Partners. You're going to get these calls. So for, for I, the one thing that I think 97.1 kind of forgot was you still have two other professional teams. Why should we trust what you're saying about them when you just got a, basically told us that you were censored for the last few years in, in fear that you were going to lose the rights? All right. Well, I appreciate it, Greg. All right. Hey, i gotta I got to take my kid to hockey practice. But uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk more. All right. Thanks, Greg. Wow, that's some pretty interesting stuff right there. I can't wait for the next segment. That's oh, what I'm talking wow. about. Wow, okay. Mean, just, we're getting uh, – no, I think it's a perfect segue. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect segue into our next segment. So uh, we're going to come back and hopefully, unless he's punking us, which I probably wouldn't blame him for, uh, Mort Meisner, uh, the agent of the stars in Detroit, will be joining us to discuss this topic a little more and how it relates to his number one client, Mike Valente. This is a previously recorded episode. All right, we're back on the Detroit Sports Rag podcast, broadcasting from Ferndale, Michigan, and Podcast Detroit. Justin Spiro, Jeff Moss. We just spo- spent the last half hour discussing uh, Greg Henson's history with the Detroit Lions as program director of ninety. Excuse me, of twelve seventy and eleven thirty. We now have someone who was in the news last week. He is the Ari Gold of Sports Talk Radio (laughs) in Detroit. Mort Meisner is joining us of Mort Meisner Associates. You might not be completely familiar with him, but you, I are sure, know a lot of his clientele. He represents Mike Valente, uh, Terry Foster, Dan Leach, Jeff Rieger, a lot of the people who you hear on Detroit Sports Talk Radio. And I appreciate you uh, joining us, Mort. Uh, considering half of your clientele base probably wants me dead, so we're very we're very happy that you're here tonight. Okay. Well, yeah. Cool. My pleasure. My Thank- pleasure. So let's get right to it. And the reason we wanted to have you on, uh, basically, last Thursday the story broke that after a two decade, maybe a th- three decade uh, contract between the Detroit Lions and. WXYT, the broadcast rights of the Lions with uh, CBS Radio, it ended. They have now gone to WJR starting next year. A lot of back and forth between the station, 97.1, and the Lions. It's something I reported a couple weeks ago. 
uh, on the DSR. The big issue between the Lions and 97.1 was your client, Mike Valente. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was Mike and perhaps some other people, but, but mostly Mike. And, and there really is a history there. I mean, going back uh, probably ever since I've represented Mike, I've had calls from uh, uh, past employees at the Detroit Lions. I've had meetings with them where they've been aggravated at the colors Mike wore before a game, what he said. And certainly he's called management. I mean, if he's called them, they've called once, they've called probably 50 times. And, you know, the solution for the Lions to get better media coverage is to win and to be thicker skinned, you know, and, and they're really, even in my days in the early eighties at channel seven, when Al Ackerman and Dave dials were there, uh, Russ Thomas, who headed the lions back then as GM, they would call during my days running channel two from 88 to 97. Again, the lions would call and, and the one constant was they lose. And so, you know, even in the dog days of, of the Pistons towards the end of Joe Dumars, they knew they were bad and they sort of took their medicine. Well, here's the thing that confuses me because, you know, Mike's been around for what, going on what, 13 years in the Detroit market. Yeah, something like that. And when he sure. was, and when he was younger, there were some things I could see, even as someone who's had the franchise call the cops on me and tried to get me arrested because of something I said on Twitter I could see there's some things that they could have been upset with Mike about. I think one point he made a comment about, you know, they should put they should put a bullet in Millen and Morningweg and use one bullet yeah. or something. And he made and he apologized for it. And then there was another thing with the the Corey Smith issue. But these are going mm-hmm. back years. Over the last, I'd say, I don't know, since the Corey Smith thing, the criticism's been above board. It wasn't personal. It was just what Mike saw on the field. Why did it come to a head under this negotiation? Because they obviously the Lions re-upped with ninety-seven-one after the the bullet thing and the Corey Smith thing. Why did it? Why was it such a big issue this time? It, it's a good question, and, and you 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 know not to dodge the question, you have to ask them. But I I think it was a matter of this: they demanded through uh, management at ninety-seven-one that either fire Mike Valenti or we're leaving. And to Debbie Kenyon's credit, they said, we're not going to be muzzled. We're not going to be censored. Leave. And then, you know, to complicate matters more, you had the new president of the Lions the other day, who I don't think he wittingly went on and didn't tell the truth. But I think he was told by the PR people there, Keenest and others, that the allegations by me and Deb Kenyon were false. So he went on the air and said, we've never tried to censor. Elizabeth Parkinson, who's a big shot with the Lions, said the same thing. But then she acknowledged we do sometimes call to get statements corrected, incorrect statements. So, you know... It's one of those things that goes back to this. If, if you're not going to win, you better have a thick skin. And, you know, only a new president named by the Detroit Lions would say the Lions are the only organization I'm qualified to run in the NFL. So it's like the hits just keep on coming. Right, and Mike said on the air on Thursday in his diatribe, in his rant, that 
Keenest, Bill Keenest, the vice president of communications, was trying to call and contact him when he was on the air or during breaks to the point where that's he, true. he'd have to shut off his phone. I mean, that is that is insanity. Yeah, that's, and that's true. And, you know, you, you see the guy that you mentioned, um, he probably gets more FaceTime than most coaches do because he's in every video shot. He was the one leading the celebration off the field uh, a couple of weeks ago in Green Bay. So, you know, you, you wonder, um, uh, you know, the definition of PR is doing something good and getting credit for it. <clears throat> but when you do something bad, you get discredit. And the organization is, in my opinion, poorly run, maybe the, one of the worst professional franchises in all of sports. And I think they need to have a new approach. Stop taking the public for granted. They don't need to kiss the butts of the media at all. But they need to be uh, they need to be more fair, more responsive, and in turn, they would get better treatment. Well, let's just look at this one situation and, and evaluate it. What they've done here. They were on the number one sports station in Detroit, the highest rated station in Detroit. Forget sports or otherwise. I mean, it's either mm-hmm. it's in, it's always in the top three, and then usually during yeah. baseball season, it's number one with a yep. which a, with an audience that trends younger. And they just left that station to go to an AM station, which has probably an older demographic than Fox News. I mean, it, it, it's really and if it was over because of Mike Valente's comments. To think that one or two people could could get you to make a, a a decision that was so idiotic, and not to mention what how how tin-eared are they that they think that they're going to bully ninety-seven-one yeah. and get rid of their number one host, a guy who drives ratings. You know, if the Tigers were saying that we you had to get rid of Valente, I don't know. They probably the ninety-seven still wouldn't probably do it, but it would at least to be a conversation because yeah. you know the Tigers yeah. are a monster radio ratings wise, and they really helped ninety-seven-one. Where were the Lions even thinking that they had any leverage sure. to do this? Yeah, and the fact is, going to WJR to you know not too much inside pool for your listeners, but they're owned by a company that is at the doorstep. Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Cumulus radio. Bankruptcy soon. And what a lot of people are floating is, well, they'll they'll put uh, the Lions on on one of their FMs. Well, I know as a fact, I can't say which one, the FM they're wanting to use is going to be sold. So I wonder what they're going to do. And the fact of the matter is, while you're right, the average age of WJR listener is dead as I like to say. Um, you know, people will still make appointments to go listen to the Lions. I mean, there's there's no there's no doubt. I don't doubt that. But why would you... I, and I know the reason. The reason you want to be on a station like that is going to be the Chamber of Commerce. They don't do critical sports programming and, and they're, they're news and information. And um, so they don't have to worry about being beaten up. And the fact is, if they hire the right general manager and, and bring in the right coach, or if they decide Caldwell's the right coach, they won't have to worry about it. Players play, you know, announcers announce, and PR people should not be obstructionist. And I think that's been the case with them. Um, geez, I mean, I've been in the media since 1977, 
and that's really been how that organization has been. And I look, I worked in Chicago when the Bears were terrible. They were not like this. I was in St. Louis when the St. Louis football Cardinals were there. They were not like this. Only the Lions. And it's because the theme has been, you know, as that great T-shirt said, Detroit Lions rebuilding since 1957. Now, more Justin Spiro here. Obviously, Mike Valenti is, I would say, your crown jewel client. I know you can't say that, but I'll say it for you. And, you know, it's easy for Mike Valente to, to carry the flag here because he has the clout that he does. He's so impactful mm-hmm. in the ratings. You represent yep. many people. I'm not going to name any others that I would have in mind, but a less impactful client that doesn't move the needle like Mike Valente does. What if he comes to you and says, the Detroit Lions are threatening to get me off the air? How do you advise a client that doesn't have the type of sway that Valenti does that the station will not stand behind? Yeah, it's a great question because it all depends who you want to be. You know, whether you're a journalist, which, you know, sports talk radio is not journalism, it's infotainment, or a politician. You either want to be true to yourself or you don't. And sometimes you you got to be willing to... To, to take that fatal blow. It, you know, it just, it, look, if you're going over, if you're going over the line and doing things you shouldn't be doing, well, then you may pay the price. But I think what uh, Mike does and others should strive to do is inform and infotain and have fun. And while I don't think, uh, the news media or entertainment media should be out to get anyone, Mike, which Mike is not out to do. Uh, it's not their job to also be their cheerleaders. So I just think every case is different. I talk to all my clients. I would I advise them, and sometimes they listen, and sometimes they don't. I mean, I represent like a hundred people around the country, mostly TV, and I think you know Detroit sports radio is is pretty darn good. I hear a lot of sports radio around the country. Uh, Valente alluded to the fact on Thursday that while 97-1 stood up to the Lions and Bill Keenis, it sounded like he had lost an opportunity to do TV on Sundays. I, I believe he used to work on the uh, on the Dan Miller pregame show on Fox. Mm-hmm. I think he used to do a show on WXYZ uh, with Tom, yeah. Tom with um, Tom Lydon. Tom, yeah, Tom Lydon who went to Boston. So it seems like the, the Lions have somehow taken money out of Mike's pocketbook and 10% of yours, I guess, by, 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 by keeping him off uh, TV on Sundays. Well, I know this. Um, the Channel 7 thing had nothing to do with that. That was just really a, another matter of, of, of how Mike was used. But I do think, and I've heard from pretty reliable sources, um, that the Lions fired the shot that kept Mike off Channel 2. And I don't know that for sure because no one told me directly. So I can't say I can't say for sure, but Mike was becoming a good part of that ensemble. But the truth is, at the end of the day, Mike loves his private time with his wife and, you know, his parents when they're visiting. So he doesn't care all that much about working weekends. But, you know, I, I think the Lions like to think they wield some power, and I think they do. Um, but this was a case where I have nothing but praise for management at 
www at wxyt ninety seven one because they weren't going to be bullied. Now, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. It, 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 it's just like many years ago in the eighty nine or ninety when the Pistons won their second title. We had broken a major story about uh, Isaiah Thomas and with a gambling connection. We were threatened. We were browbeaten. Verjock. We, we were warned not to run the story, and we did. And we ran it because it was leaking out. We ran it the day after they beat Portland. So, look, it depends. What do you want to be? Do you want to be the Chamber of Commerce, or do you want to be true to yourself? And the great thing about Mike, I mean, Mike will tell you, he's, he's an entertainer. And I think what's great about sports talk radio, it's, it's infotaining. You know, he, he's unabashed Michigan State fan. He's an unabashed Michigan hater. And it's fun. It drives phone calls, and phone calls drive ratings. So it's all fun. And, you know, I, I feel I'd love the Lions to be good. Um, I mean, I'm crazy. Uh, this will be um, this Thanksgiving game. I have only missed one Thanksgiving game since 1968, so that shows I must be out of my mind. Now, and I'll be there this week. Valente has said on the air in the wake of all this that he's gone 80 to 85% after the Lions and held back that last 15 to 20 because of these, these nightmares with Bill Keenis and the Lions organization. What kind of Mike Valente are we going to see now that he's going 100%? You know, I, I, I think he'll maintain the the same energy and, and have the same lines because, to management's credit, they didn't try to curtail him. Uh, and I, I think, I think uh, Mike was certainly loaded for bear uh, that day last week, and I, I think Mike will continue to call it as he sees it with them and be the aggressive broadcaster on the air. And I, and I think that's what Debbie Kenyon, who runs CBS, wants uh, with with that particular property. So that leads us to the next question. Mike's contract is up in March, at the end of March. Yep. Obviously, the you know with the la- with the latest news obviously doesn't hurt your client's bargaining position. I mean, they've basically right. ninety seven one just made it public that they chose him over uh, an NFL yep. franchise. Can we read into this that Mike is going to be staying at 97.1? I know I, I reported a few weeks ago that when 105.1 uh, tried to outbid the, you know, 97.1 in CBS for the Tigers, that that was like their last-ditch effort, big mon- money spending-wise, that they weren't inclined to get into a bidding war uh, over, over Valente. Um, should we read into this that he's going to stay at 97.1, or is there some other station that could pop out of the woodwork and, and bid on him? Yeah, well, here's what I say, because in in fairness, even when I ran in major market newsrooms, I never really talked about people's contracts in, in the media in or internally. But what I would say is this. Mike really likes the ticket. He really likes the support he gets from uh, Debbie Kenyon, who's the market manager, and Jim Powers, who is his immediate boss. So I would anticipate, even though this is an unagent-like things to say, thing to say, I would anticipate Mike will be at the ticket for a long time. And just lastly, I, for me anyway, I, 
where do you see the media relations going forward with not just Valente but anybody? I, do you do not see this issue of broadcasters being compromised and having to choose between being honest and and basically selling out. We've seen it with Tim Twentyman, and we've seen it with Mike O'Hara, where former professional journalists yeah. go down this route. I mean, as an it's, agent, you have to advise so many people. You, you've said you yeah. know, earlier in the interview it, that you have to choose a, what you want to be. It's a great question. I'll tell you why it is really a terrific question. Because what's happening in the news media, where most of my people are, like I said, I have about 100 people, and, and maybe 10 in radio and 80 or 90 in TV, whatever the math is, TV stations and radio stations are more and more owned by what I call bean counters. No longer journalistic companies. You know, Channel 4 here in town is owned by a great company, as is Channel 7, uh, and, and, and Fox too. But there's a, there's a lot of companies who all they care about is the bottom line, and, and while the bottom line is important to stay in business, they never, ever would have supported Mike Valenti the way that CBS did. And I think more and more, there are TV stations around the country who kill stories, meaning they don't run them, out of fear of losing advertising. And, and that's a sad state of affairs. And I think you'll see it at uh, different other entertainment venues Fortunately, not here in Detroit at either Greater Media, which owns 105.1, or CBS, which owns 97.1, the ticket. To switch the subject for a, a second, our uh, mutual friend has advised me that uh, you're going to be writing a, a book about, I guess, your experiences as an agent and running uh, WJBK on the TV side. Um, what, yeah, what, what's so, that book going to be all about? Yeah, so... I'm writing a book uh, that starts with my career as a pretty major rock promoter in the early 70s. I, I ran a company that my friend and his dad owned and was at the Grandy Ballroom, legendary place, the East Town. I, I did Kiss's first national tour. So it's going to cover a lot of that. It will cover my years at Channel 7, my years at CBS and ABC in Chicago, part of the team that hired Oprah. Uh, at ABC uh, and then like a lot of people I eventually got fired at ABC and I, I worked in St. Louis for an NBC affiliate and then came back and uh, was part of the rebuild at Channel 2 for 10 years and then my agent career for the last 18 so it'll be a lot of anecdotes no who was doing this to who or who did what it, it's not going to be, <clears throat> if there's any of that, it'll be nameless. It's going to be a lot of interesting anecdotes, you know, and and uh, one interesting one that I like to tell, I had a sports guy that worked for me in Chicago, a legendary guy, used to be on the NFL today. His name was Bruce Roberts. And right before he was supposed to go on the air on a Sunday night in November, back in like 82, uh, he had a heart attack and died on the floor next to his desk. And I had to put our political reporter on set to read scores. And the problem was that night, that day, most of the NFL games were decided by kickers with foreign names. So it was crazy. It was such a crazy, well-known thing um, that appeared in 
uh, a TV show, uh, sort of a comedic TV show, even though it's not funny, about 20 years ago. So it'll be a lot of stories like that, and I'm in the early stages of it. All right. I think my last question for you is, A, when are you going to take me on as a client, and B, how many clients would you lose by making that decision? <laughs> oh, God, I, I, don't, I don't know, but we gotta, we, we're going to have to meet because I, I think the, the myth is, is probably greater than the, the, the rumored bad guy that you are. So I always like judging people on my own and, and, and getting to meet people, and, and this has been a pleasant conversation. Well, I appreciate you joining us, and I, you know, if I was you, I'd probably just shut your phone off for the next forty-eight hours and maybe yeah. go down to Aruba. <laughs> no, Mort, uh, uh, we really appreciate just, it, though. Yeah, we, we right, appreciate yeah. you Wish coming. You guys and, well. Yeah, it's, and uh, we'll, it's when, you, when, when the book comes out, we'll uh, be happy to have you on to maybe even come That's in great. studio and discuss that. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks, Mort. Thank you. Thank you, Mort. That was Mort Meisner. That was Jeff Moss on his best behavior. So, I mean, you, you thought it was bad uh, before that conversation with people accusing you of being a wannabe to get into the media. Now you're, yeah, yeah. Open, now I'm openly, you're openly appealing to the Ari Gold of Detroit. Don uh, Buckwald. The Detroit right market. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to help the case. I think, no, uh, I, I, I'm obviously a wannabe. He's already uh, formulating his next. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine? I mean, obviously, we as I've told many people before, uh, when we have someone on as a guest, uh, we're not going to, you know, try to sabotage them. Out, you know, no. Even John Wharton had an open invitation. Right. Yeah. I'll have anyone on. Yeah. I mean, well, John Wharton would have been a little more aggressive <laughs> than that. But I wasn't going to ask him about if he lost any money uh, when because if he got ten percent of Mariachi's Cantina and Foster's Smokehouse, that that question wasn't going to be raised, or you know, some other questions maybe about Dan Leach and prostitutes i, I kind of left those off the table um <laughs> you know listen you gotta you, you gotta play ball sometimes we're gonna take one more break we're gonna wrap it up you know, as long as jessica has a song do we have a song to go to yeah i got one for you oh, okay we're gonna take one more break and then we will wrap it up we'll hit the red wings and the pistons real quick and maybe the tigers trade maybe five ten more minutes and then we'll wrap it up for this week masterminds this is a previously recorded episode. All right, our last segment on the DSR podcast for this uh, week of Thanksgiving. We are going to institute a new weekly segment that Justin started out last week. The week that was in Detroit Sports Talk Radio. Didn't really want to get into it really with Mord and argue with him about how good Sports Talk Radio in Detroit is. Let's just say we have a difference of opinion on that matter. And we are going to illuminate that opinion with Justin now giving a list of show topics for the last week or so. Just the last seven days, these following sports topics have been discussed in Detroit Sports Radio. What would you do about ISIS? What are your thoughts on the Urban Dictionary? What do you think of the Charlie Sheen HIV announcement? (laughs) I'm happy about it. Would you rather be an athlete or an actor? What do you think of the fight that Doug Karsh got into with his wife? (laughs) What are your thoughts on the Culinary Institute of America's basketball team? What? It's the closest thing to sport. I mean, I'm reading these verbatim off the CBS Detroit website. 
Does the caller Sam resemble Barry Sanders, like the voice? Like, does he sound like Barry Sanders? Apparently, apparently they had an 18-minute segment on if one of their callers sounded like Barry Sanders. That's really the closest to Detroit sports they've really gotten here. Well, they had in the culinary football team. Uh, Yeah. Stoney and Bill get prostate exams live on the air. Oh, well. What was the most anticipated event in your life? What was your shortest tenure at a job? And uh, let's see. Oh, oh, this is the best one yet. This was just today. Who is the most annoying Jeopardy contestant of all time? <laughs> what? That was a Are there baseball uh, cards for Jeopardy? I mean, I know like three people, and one of them is a computer. So the this, IBM guy. This is, guy this is a, what, did, what did I just rattle off about? Twelve. Detroit sports radio topics just in the last seven days alone. By the way, my answer for the most annoying care, uh, contestant on Jeopardy would be Rosie Perez and White Men Can't Jump. Okay, you should call in. Because I can't understand a word that woman ever says. Yeah, it, How they put that broad on the view, I have no idea. I mean, you got an answer can anyone the, here in this room understand a word that comes out of Rosie Perez's mouth? Nope. But I, I will say this. this is, That's actually a good topic. This is what, and you liked the what old TV show should be revived topic from last week. So you've actually missed two topics that you would have liked to call in wow, on. Wow, maybe I should listen to Sports Talk Radio. Uh, especially, yeah, it's Sports have Talk you Radio is great. Rosie Perez and uh, Crackhead Bob in the same room? That's, that's a very good question. So, again, you know, that was just uh, a few. I didn't even read off all the horrible Detroit Sports Radio topics. So the next time these stations call themselves uh, radio, sports radio stations, you can obviously uh, – Give them the middle finger to that because about two-thirds of the topic are light rail, food cart, ice fishing, things of that nature. They were going to announce the light rail. They were going to the naming of it the other day, and then they canceled it. The rumor was it was going to be the, I think, Quicken Loans light rail or something. Of I, I cannot believe it's not the CBS Radio 97.1. <laughs> Pat Caputo. They've done more to Dennis promote it than Bithian. anyone else. I mean, nobody has done more to promote light rail and food trucks in this town than 97.1. And I'll say this about you know about the Miser interview, which I thought was very good, and I, I thought he did a fine job. But I, I think what you're seeing now is 97.1 painting themselves as these sort of hard go-after-the-teams. The <laughs> I think Valenti can make that claim. Anyone else that are trying they're trying to piggyback off Valenti's seat are disgraceful. Okay, let's talk about the lineup, okay? You've got Bill McAllister, who is probably responsible for half of that list, Yep. who doesn't know anything about sports, who is a Jay Towers wannabe, and Jay Towers doesn't know anything about sports, obviously. You've got Stoney, who Greg Henson just personally named. Stoney and, and, and Henson are friends, I believe, but he said Stoney's not going to rock the boat, so it's not Stoney they're talking about. As I wrote in my article the other day, Caldwell appears every week with virginal manatee and Ann Arbor Doug Benedict Karsh, and those two lather him up and then spank his monkey. I mean, there's no critical common. I mean, for Doug Karsh to go on the radio the other day and wearing this as a badge of honor that we're tough guys and we really give it to, I mean, this is a, this is a station that, excuse me, a show that cheerleads openly for all of the teams. Like, you couldn't convince Scott Anderson last year, that fat pig, that Indominus Sue was going to leave the team. This is a guy who was openly calling for the Tigers to be buyers like 48 hours before the deadline. This guy, this guy has Detroit-colored um, glasses. I mean, everything. He's a fanboy. He's a slapdick. Those two, I mean... 
those two should be going to getting their own program on WJR and leading the uh, the bandwagon down the dial on AM because they're the best friends the Lions have. Terry Foster doesn't know enough about football to discuss it, okay? He, it's Valente. It's Mike Valente. He's the one guy. Nobody else at that station should be taking any credit for running the Lions, to, which was a brilliant point. And I kind of really wanted to hammer it home a little more with, with Mort. They left not only for an AM station with a demographic that trends towards dead, as he said, but Cumulus Radio, which we just did an article about Bill Simonson. At Cum- this is a bank company that literally could be going declaring bankruptcy tomorrow. The two brothers who started the station were thrown out about two months ago. They're taking water like crazy. The Titanic and Edmund Fitzgerald have nothing on Cumulus, and that is who the Lions just went into business with, a company that's going broke. I just think it's important that, and again, to emphasize, I don't want 97.1 to be able to run with this uh, rebellion image, or you know, rebel. I think it's it's nonsense. It's you only at, Valente. It's and, 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 no, let me tell you can. something. Valente can. And, no and, and Mort can say that oh, the ninety-seven-one and CBS, and they stood up and blah blah blah. They made a great business decision. That's all they did. Yeah, it wasn't if about it was, having anyone's back or me, pride or loyalty. Yeah. It's dollars and cents. Mike Valente means more to them. Dollars and cents wise. Than the Lions. Than the Lions do, period. If, if they said, look, we're going to sign for the same amount of money, good deal, you got to get rid of Dennis Fithian, uh, Dennis would be gone in a half a second. Yeah, and that's the point I was trying to, to make to Morton. I, I thought he had a great answer that eventually as a broadcaster you have to make that decision, and that was a good way to answer that question. But, again, Valente had the clout to take on that fight, and pretty much no one else does other than if you want to say by proxy Foster does, although I would argue he no. doesn't. Foster, but, they'd have got rid of – I mean, if they at, really wanted to keep the line – like I said, Valente is the one guy if they said – if the Tigers would have said, look, we don't like Valente's coverage – you got to get rid of Valente. I think that maybe is a discussion that 97.1 and CBS Radio has. Yes. Do we choose Valente or do we choose the Tigers? And I think they choose the Tigers because the Tigers, I believe, are the most important entity in Detroit sports talk radio. That's why 105.1 just tried to outbid. They did outbid 97.1 for the rights by $9 million, and then CBS came by and they said, well, we're matching it, and they stuck with 97.1. And that's why 105.1, from what I'm told, hasn't entered into the Valente um, negotiation sweepstakes because they don't view Valente as the game changer that the Tigers are. So that would be a discussion. But if the Tigers wanted to get take anyone else on that station, from McAllister to Leach to Stoney, if the Tigers said, you got to get rid of that person or you can't have the rights, they'd be looking for a new job tomorrow. And, and you see like someone like Jeff Rieger, for the audience that may remember Jeff Rieger in a post-game media scrum with Jim Whelan in his last season in Detroit, asked a question about the lineup. And Jim Whelan went off on him and, and ripped him. And there was a 48-hour love fest on 97.1 praising Jeff Rieger for being a hard-hitting journalist and asking the tough questions when the question basically consisted of, hey, what were you thinking putting this guy in the two-hole? I mean, right. you know, Well, the Tigers do the same. That's the point. The Tigers do a lot of the same stuff on a, on a lesser scale than Keenest. Well, but we know personally being told firsthand by people who've covered that team, I'm not going to name names, but that have asked a question in a scrum with a manager, and then they're pulled over by, by a PR person, brought into another room, and given a tongue lashing about why did you ask that question? Why are you negative? The Tigers do the same thing. 
And, and, and that's you know part of my point is Rieger was hailed as such a hero by his media brethren. And why? I mean, really, uh, by any standard, that was not a hard-hitting question. He asked for a clarification on a lineup issue with the Tigers, but because it, it, it's these organizations are so sensitive that even asking a question in any type of judgmental tone about the lineup that you're posting on, on the wall is considered something uh, worthy of you know congratulations. But I, I, I well, the teams I, have you know the teams know the media climate now. Okay, ninety-seven-one is an anomaly right now. They're doing well. They're thriving. But if you take it the free press, the news, um, 105.1, all these other you know, avenues, they've got to fight for every advertising dollar they can get. They can't piss. So they're, they, these franchises have their nuts in a vice, and they know that they can really threaten. There, there's ramifications. I mean, if Dave Burkett comes back tomorrow and, and, and the Lions say, you, you know, we're pulling the credentials for the free press, what's the free press going to do? That's the media world we're in, and it's just as was you know I think a lot of people mentioned last week. I think the veil came off. I mean, we've been reporting all of this stuff now for thirteen years. What's been going on with the teams having their own reporters, having their own uh, broadcast people like Comcast in Chicago? They hired Goodshill, and they've got their own you know in Fox Sports Detroit even to a lesser extent. It's all moving towards the teams having complete control of the media, and if someone stands out, like Valente, they're going to try to squash it. That's that's and the bottom line. I think, in the NBA is far from perfect, but I think the NBA has this handled a little bit better, where, as in the NFL and Major League Baseball, it's much easier for the individual team to deny access to a media member, whereas the NBA itself, the association, handles these media credentials a, a lot more uh, I would say just hands-on. I mean, obviously you have to still apply to the Pistons, but the the NBA requires certain media privileges and media access a little bit stricter than the other leagues do. And I think at some point the NFL and Major League Baseball are going to have to step in because otherwise you're going to be left with nothing but but bought and paid for reporters. There has to be some level of protection of the objective independent reporter. There needs to be a correction more towards that NBA model where, look, any journalist or, or newspaper can go to the NBA, file a complaint and say we're being obstructed, and it is the most media-friendly uh, sports um, organization there is. It's the NBA. So hopefully we move towards that direction. Five minutes left. We're going to hit three Detroit sports topics real quick. Yep. Uh, the Tigers acquired Cameron Mabin, their former first-round pick, who was part of the Miguel Cabrera trade. Your opinion on that deal? You know, indifferent. He's a piece, and you know he can run around a little bit. And you know, I, I hesitate to say he can even hit a little bit. I mean, he's by all definitions of average, below average. Uh, but you know, it's who cares? I'm not. Well, excited I'll or tell you why. I'm not I excited or upset. I don't like the trade if it means that their outfield is going to be Ghost, Mabin, and JD Martinez. I don't like the trade. If this was something to work between Ghost and Maven in center field and then still get another hitter in the corner, it would be one thing. But if that's going to be the outfield, that's a bad outfield. I yeah, mean, and I don't, th- I don't think that is the outfield. I don't know. I think that's what they're trying to tell you. They'd be, and good, Cameron, def- they'd be good defensive. Cam- well, Cameron Maven's defensive stats last year were horrible. If you look at those, his advanced metrics defensively were terrible. His war off it was, I think, one. I mean, we're talking about a guy who... I don't think is any upgrade over a platoon of Rajai Davis and Ghost. I don't. I don't understand the move. I think Maben. Why people are so thrilled about it? You know, our buddy Kurt Menching, 
uh, with bless you boys, ecstatic about this deal. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, let's if, if the if the offseason moves are going to be getting K Rod, getting Maven, and adding maybe Fister and Samarja, Samarja, yeah. that's going to get anyone excited. I'm sorry, it's not getting me excited. That that's just not going to do it. No, and you know, again, the the move will be judged more when we see the big picture. Yeah, but I, right. again, I'm indifferent. What's what's next? Let's see what we'll, we'll see where that plays out. The next thing is, once again, we got we got to take at least a minute out here to bash Ken Holland, who <laughs> got himself in another situation where he's got too many players and he waves. The thirty-two, the thirty-second selection in the NHL draft a few years ago, Landon Ferraro, a guy who had a great year last year um, in Grand Rapids, scoring a lot of five-on-five goals. He's a young guy, pretty good player. Now, listen, Landon Ferraro is not going to be the next Dylan Larkin, but he's a serviceable player. And why, once again, this man chose to release Ferraro, who? had a point last night in his first game with Boston. It was actually originally a goal, and then they took it away, and he only got an assist out of it. Instead of someone like Drew Miller or Joachim Anderson, two guys nobody in the league was, would, have, would have made a claim on. Once, just another baffling move by Holland, and which is you know kind of decimating their depth. Yeah, I mean, Ferraro, again, the proofs in the pudding scene, first of all, I think it's common sense that Drew Miller would not be uh, rousing up a crowd uh, on the waiver wire. But just the fact that Ferraro got claimed by a historically pretty solid franchise within the last decade says it all. And Ferraro, it doesn't take a genius to see you watch the game. He has more skill than at least, what, three guys on the Red Wings right now? I, and he's young. I mean, and he's young. It, it just, it, Drew it's Miller? You could have. I guarantee nobody was going to bid on Drew Miller. No one was going to bid no, on Joachim Anderson. No. And you could have sent him down to Grand Rapids. Landon Ferraro is, is a decent player. He's a good depth guy. Well, yeah, and he you hasn't know, he's proven that he's player. garbage yet, like Anderson and Miller. Right. I mean, Miller is what he is. Every you could you could. There, there are how many guys like Miller are in the league or in the AHL? Ferraro. It just makes no sense why. No, Drew Miller, who Ferraro. they who they could have got rid of. You know, who they could have got rid of. So. I, once again, I think it's a loyalty angle. Drew Miller's been here for years. We got one minute left. We're, we were going to maybe discuss uh, the rumor. I don't know who who was the rumor some here. The Car- Carmelo was that a legitimate rumor or just someone making a bullshit? Some basement blogger. Anyone know yeah, that wasn't I mean, a legitimate? Just a basement, that was just, just some, some basement blogger. Basement blogger. Um, you know that's that, that was nothing. Yeah, I think it was just a rumor on uh, ESPN.com. No, no, no. Just that, just, that ESPN's just, not a baseball Someone blog. picked it up. <laughs> so, well, no, you know, someone, yeah. Some little blog, you know, ESPN. <laughs> so it's not going to happen, but we'll say just with the Pistons. Would you do it? If you, would you trade Jennings? Yeah, I would. Who cares? I, Why not? I, you know, Jen, if it's Jennings for Carmel, well, of course I would. No, not Jennings, but it was also Stanley Johnson. And also, you know, there was other no, guys in a first-round pick. I their whole speculation. I don't know. I, I just don't. I think it might be a decent trade, but I just don't want Carmelo ever here. But you know, it would be intriguing to see Carmelo, uh, Reggie, and Drummond triumvirate. That would be kind of interesting. Uh, it'd be interesting to see Stan Van Gundy try to coach Carmelo. Oh, but, that would uh, that'd be worth you know, it. that would be worth it right along. Just in general, everything with the Pistons, everyone's freaking out. We said uh, there's going to be ups and downs. Everything will be fine. That's all I'll say. All right, that's it. What a show! And we didn't even get to the John Morosi haircut. Hopefully next Tuesday we will do that. Thank you to Jessica. Thank you to Spiro, Mahir, George Contis. Poor athlete was here also, uh, falling asleep while we did this show. <laughs> the Jose Canseco. Did, did you give this show a nine, I hope? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Not a, not a All right, we'll see you next Tuesday. Have a good Thanksgiving. Go
And that is the uh, end of this uh, week's abortion. Thank you. <laughs> this is a previously recorded episode of